Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters. Uh, today's show is episode 672. It's Thursday, May the 26th, 2011, and today's show is going to be all about technology. We're going to talk about technology for preppers. All kinds of cool stuff you can use for your planning uh, process and to increase your redundancy if there are systemic failures to have other systems that you can rely on. Some preppers shun technology. I think that's a huge mistake. I think that it's important that we learn how to utilize primitive skills as well and how to be self-sufficient off-grid, so to speak, in all walks of life. But to shun the technology while it's available to the exclusion of using it at all, I think that's really a mistake. And I also find it kind of interesting that, well, some people advocate that when they're typing on an Internet forum using electricity, an Internet connection, and a computer. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? I often ask such people, hey, man, how do you get to work every day? And they say, what are you talking about? I said, do you ride a horse to work or do you have a car? Well, I have a car. Well, what are you going to do when there's peak oil? What are you going to do when there's a, you know, an EMP? Well, I mean, when that happens, then I'll, see, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. Kind of makes a point, doesn't it? Before we talk about that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you by making sure the show is here for you five days a week, Monday through Friday. Sponsor of the day number one today, Fortress Defense Consultants. That's Frank Sharp Jr.'s operation. Great guy, exceptional training. And remember, folks, if you want the best firearms training you can get in the world, Frank Sharp Jr. can help you get that. And if you can't go to him and you've got a group and you want someone to come out and work with you and train your group locally, you got enough people he'll come out there and do that he'll even come out to your location and help you figure out how to better fortify your location fortress defense consultants is not just top-notch firearms defense training it's top-notch training on on all walks of being more prepared from a defense and from a medical response standpoint Check out Fortress Defense Consultants today. Hook up with Frank. We will have him coming on for an interview. Uh, I believe June 9th is the day that that show will uh, air. While I'll be on vacation with my toes in the sand down in Sanibel, Florida. Finally getting a vacation. Next up today, uh, the Berkey guy. Jeff, the Berkey guy. Uh, from Directive21.com. What does the Berkey guy do? Well, he specializes in Berkey water filtration systems. What a shock that the Berkey guy would specialize in Berkey products. Why does he do that because Berkey makes some of the most cost effective and best water filtration devices that you will ever find and folks one thing you gotta have always available to you is fresh water without that you are D-E-A-D dead Water is a survival requirement. The Berkey, uh, the Berkey water filtration system is what I use for myself. It's what I recommend to my audience, not just because they're a sponsor, because I believe it's the best solution uh, from a simple and cost-effective standpoint that's available out there to get things on a daily basis like chlorine and fluoride out of your water and to take care of water in an emergency situation as well. Next up, I want to have a big announcement. Uh, two new people have come on to support the MSB. I've been talking about this a while. There were some things that had to be done to get it nailed down. Now it's done. Uh, first up, Lenwood Leather. 
Uh, Lenwood Leather is a custom manufacturer of just about anything you can make out of leather. Makes a lot of belts and holsters and things like that, but including custom purses and uh, custom carry purses, right, for ladies that want to carry in their purse. You name it, if it can be made out of leather, they make it. Uh, you get a great discount and free shipping if you're part of the MSB uh, to Lenwood Leather. Next up is Orion Concepts. They are a custom Kydex holster manufacturer. Uh, they made one for me for my 1911. It is now my go-to carry holster for a 1911 when I'm carrying with a shirt not tucked in type situation, wearing a little bit uh, longer clothes. It's uh, really great for that. It's a hard weapon to carry in a, in a tucked shirt uh, type of situation anyway. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a great product, and whatever you have, they can custom make a holster for you. 15% off if you are in the member support brigade off of all their stuff, but it gets better. Uh, what if you're not in the MSB? What can I do for you? Well, I get you 10% off uh, between now and, uh, what is it, June the 9th, I believe, or June, it's June 9th. So for the next week and a half, basically, uh, even if you're not in the MSB, you can get uh, a discount with uh, this custom Kydex manufacturer. I put out a blog post about both of these yesterday with the discount. Uh, but the discount code for Orion Concepts uh, for everybody for the next week and a half is TSP. And I'll put a link to that post in today's show notes. Last but not least, do consider joining the MSB. You'll get great discounts like the two that I've just added for you. You'll get a bunch of other great stuff. You support the show at 20 cents an episode. Remember, if you are prior service or active duty military, email me first. Give me a little bit of details when you email me, folks. Say, I was in this branch for this long, and this is what I did. Uh, that's all I really need, and uh, I'll send you a special discount code for a military discount if you are a prior service or active duty member because I believe you deserve a special thank you for serving your nation. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. As I was saying at the beginning, it, it kind of bugs me when I hear from people, like sometimes I actually get like angry emails from people. I, I'm serious about this. I get angry emails. Jack, I don't even know why you mess around with Facebook. It's just stupid. It's some kid thing, and if the shit hits the fan, that technology's going to be gone anyway. Well, so's the computer and internet you just used me to send me your hate mail, isn't it? I, I think it's that some of us have our levels of comfort with technology, and whatever we've adapted to, well, that's okay, and whatever we haven't adapted to, uh, that, that that's bad. And then we'll use the excuse that, well, if the system fails, it won't be there. And, and you're not wrong. If the system fails, it won't be there But, again, how do you get to work every day? Do, do you walk? Do you ride a horse? Do you have a horse and buggy? Or do you get in a car or on a bus or on a train? Well, how are you going to get to work if the system fails? Well, I won't have to go to work anymore. Well, I won't have to post to Facebook anymore if the system completely fails. Trust me, if we have the end of the world as we know it, zombie apocalypse, I'm not going to be worried about updating my Twitter status. I don't think I will anyway. But this concept that, you know, you might as well just learn all the primitive skills and avoid technology altogether is, is, is kind of pointless. You know, people, I want to do that and I'll go wilderness survival and I go up in the soft tooth wilderness and I go out there and I take care of myself and I use what I can carry on my back and I don't take anything electronic and, well, that's great. How'd you get there in the first place? Well, I walked in. No, how'd you get there? Where do you live? Well, I live in Georgia. Did you walk from Georgia to Idaho? You see what I mean? It's kind of a, It's kind of a non-starter argument. Well, that GPS won't work. Well, that's fine. I know how to navigate without a GPS. But since it'll do so much for me now, why would I turn my back on it? See, that's the case I'm making for technology today. And there's a lot of times where there's a deadly situation headed your way, 
And technology can let you know about it. And you can, you know, you can respond to it. And once the situation gets to you, that technology may no longer work for a while, but at least it notified you. So, like the first one that I'm talking about there is emergency weather alerts and emergency weather radios. Um, there's a lot of ways to do this. There's local uh, TV stations all over the country now that have this service. Basically, you sign up with them and you put in, you know, and you set up an account and you have your zip code and all. And whenever there's an alert, whether it's a severe thunderstorm warning or whether it's a tornado warning or a watch, whatever, they send a text alert message to your cell phone. Now, it's great that you have your TV on and maybe you don't even run on satellite. You have, you know, uh, antenna or whatever. And when you're in the house and that alert goes off, you know, you generally see it if you're watching a local channel. Well, what if you're not watching a local channel? What if you're outside tending guard? Sometimes it looks really beautiful right before some of the worst storms in, in, in history happen. In fact, that is the case. Usually when you have a beautiful, warm, hot, blue sky day and the front moves in and hits that, that's when it really blows up. That's when we've gotten some of the worst storms uh, in the North Texas area where I used to live. Is the most beautiful days turned into the worst case storm scenarios that spawned the most tornadoes. So if you didn't happen to catch the newscast that morning that told you it was going to be a bad day the next day, um, maybe you weren't aware, but if you have that set up, it will help you a lot. Weather Channel has email alerts that you can set up. There's all types of things you can do. But I think one of the things that you have to have in this, in this day and age, you really do, uh, especially anybody that lives, I think everybody should have them, but I want to be clear, if you live east of the Rockies, you're in an area that's threatened by serious tornado activity. And we're seeing that this year on a level that just is unprecedented. Not that they can't happen in the Rockies or west of the Rockies, but you're really in the shooting gallery as you move east from the Rocky Mountains. And then the south, south central, southeast, uh, Midwest. I mean, you guys, if you live there, you know. It's something we deal with. It's something we've dealt with really heavily for the past couple weeks. I would say couple months, honestly. We've had more tornadoes this year than any time in history. So, you know what you need? You need an emergency weather radio. One that will automatically go off and sound the alarm when there's something going on in your area. Well, if I have the, the, the text alerts and I've got the TV and I've got my situational awareness, why do I need that? Because the most dangerous time for you, and, and really for all things, is when you're asleep. All right, When you're in bed asleep, that's when you're most vulnerable to any type of attack, especially a weather attack. I just listened to a gentleman that saved his wife, and uh, what happened is he had just got a feeling, and he just got out of bed, and it just as he did, and it was probably the pressure change that woke him up, the window literally exploded. He turned his back as he heard the window giving in, shielded his wife, grabbed her by the arm, yanked her out of bed in a dead sleep, pulled her under the bed, threw himself on top of her, and his house was literally destroyed around them, but they both survived with only minor injuries. Had he not gotten up out of bed at that split second, odds are that that wouldn't have happened. And kudos to him for that, but uh, being woken up in advance by it would probably be a great thing. And would have had a better opportunity to take a better chance. And all things happen for a reason. And who knows, maybe they would have went to a safe area that would have been worse damaged. I don't know that. But I know that when you play the odds, you want as much information as you can get. So some type of emergency weather alert system is something you've got to have. Next up, one of the things that I used 
I just use this all the time, is I use Google Alerts. And I use them for um, for a variety of reasons. I use them for show prep, but it's also just to keep in touch with what's going on. You know, I, I often get questions from people like, Jack, how do you stay so on top of things? How do you have so much information available to you? How are you always bringing us this new content? And the reality is today I can cheat a little bit because I have so many of you guys listening to me. So many of you guys are so awesome. And all of you have your little individual things that you care the most about that you pay attention to. And you have your pet sources that you monitor. And when something goes on that's kind of in our space, I get if it's a big thing, I get 20 emails in the first day that the information's out from you guys. That's great. But in the beginning when there was like 50 people listening, I didn't really have that going on. And so I still use the same thing that I did back then, which is Google Alerts. And what you can do is you go to Google, and you go to Google, and you'll see up at the top where it has a bunch of different things, and one of them's news. Well, you click on news, and then you run a search, and you keep playing with the wording until you're finding the exact type of content you want. For example, one of mine is a very simple one. It's simply set up for the word pandemic. Now, occasionally I get something about a video game or something like that mixed in there, but that's generally pretty good. The next thing that you want to do is go in there and hit on the side. You'll see a place where you can sort it uh, by certain things. Like you can see past year, past hour, past 24 hours. But down below that, you'll see sorted by relevance or sorted by date. It'll generally default to sorted by relevance. Switch it over to sorted by date. You'll see the most recent stuff. You need to do that for a reason so you can see does that still bring you the type of content you're looking for? And when you're sure, you've got the search fine-tuned, and you might do some exact matching with quotes, some uh, guaranteed inclusion with plus signs. You can click on advanced search and fine-tune your search. And when you get it just the way you want it, where the most recent stuff looks like the type of thing you'd want to be alerted at, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see a little thing that says create an email alert. Click on that, fill out the little form, and click it. And that from that point on, Google, as new stories accumulate, will just send you an email that would have showed up in those search results. So instead of going there every day and searching for it and seeing what's going on, you just get them sent to you. You can also grab an RSS feed for that uh, and, and take a look at that, but um, that's really just not as effective as far as you know, as far as I'm concerned for the way that I manage myself and my time. But if you want to use the RSS feed functionality, you can do that as well. Big thing, though. Let's say that you can't really find the type of information you want to stay in touch with in the mainstream media and in the news resources. If you go and click on more at the top of the Google uh, website, one of the options is blogs. You can create email alerts for your blogs as well. So there's a lot that you can do with that, and it will keep you very, very informed about things that are going on. This is more for your long-term planning and for just kind of staying on the pulse of things, like, you know, is there a new threat in the world of pandemics? A lot of people are concerned about radiation from Japan. That's a great way to stay in touch with that subject because there's not much about it on the mainstream TV or mainstream radio anymore. These are just simple ways that you can do that. Next up, real quick, I want to talk about Facebook and Twitter. I probably get more pushback on those two platforms than anything else out there. I want to start out with something simple, though, a simple case for this. Remember, we always prepare based on the things that are most likely to happen to us as individuals, and we move out from there in our planning process. We do that because of the inverse relationship of disaster and probability. The less people affected by a disaster, the more likely you as an individual are to, to be affected by it. What do I mean by that? I mean it this way. The most likely thing that could happen to you as an individual in your life that we could call a disaster for you and your family 
is you go to work and, and you work for me and I say, hey, Tom, I'm sorry, your job's gone, goodbye. Pack your stuff and leave. For whatever reason, you've done something wrong, the company has collapsed, the company did something wrong, is being sued, it's simply layoffs, uh, a competitor bought the company and is laying off half the day they take the acquisition. All of these things happened to the tune of 9 million people last year lost jobs. 9 million. All right. Now you can look at all the devastation in the tornadoes and there ain't nowhere near 9 million people affected. What does that mean? The law of probability says that that's most likely to happen to you as an individual. Sure, when a tornado blows your house down, the consequences are bigger. Sure, more people are affected in a specific area, but all the people that weren't in that area are pretty much going on with life. We might feel bad for those people. We might even be volunteering to help. We might be making contributions, but our life really didn't get altered that much. What does this have to do with Facebook and Twitter? I'm going to tell you something that's this absolute fact. In the future, if you want to be as marketable a candidate for jobs as you can, or you want to be a successful business owner, and those are really the only two ways people are going to make money, you know, I'm sorry. You either own your own business or you work for somebody else. If you want to be successful in either one of those, at continuing to grow, develop, make more money, and if something happens and you fall down be able to get back up, and you ignore Twitter and Facebook, you are a moron. I'm sorry, you really are. There is nothing better than having a network. And I, I'm telling you that every really solid job that I've ever gotten into came from some level of networking. And everything I've been able to do as far as building businesses and building connections with my customers and my people came from networking. And Facebook and Twitter don't just automate networking. They make large networks scalable where you can give individual attention to people in your network without a Rolodex telling you call these five people today and keep your relationships fresh. So those technologies alone, just in what they do for your personal and economic well-being, should not be ignored. I believe the resume is dead. Not dying, it's dead already. Companies are using resumes today when they're desperate. When they don't know anybody and nobody that works there now knows anybody who's available. That's what a resume is for now. The companies that are desperate for, for somebody to do this job and they can't find somebody. If somebody in the company or somebody running the company knows somebody that knows somebody, that person's going to get an interview before anybody with a resume. So if you're really good at whatever you do and you tweet and you Facebook about it often and you build a network of people with like minds, when something's available, you're going to hear about it. So even if we take off all the major disasters, that's the reason to use those technologies. But next up, your town's been destroyed. You can't get anybody on the phone. You know your family in other places is worried about you. Maybe it's a large-scale disaster. If you can get to a computer or a smartphone that's functioning and you can post a status update that says, I'm okay, then your family stops worrying. And eventually, even if they can't get in direct touch with you, if they can respond to that, you know they're okay. Just knowing the other side is okay allows you to focus on putting things back together where you're at. So I think there's a tremendous advantage to being familiar with these two platforms. You don't have to live on them. You don't have to embrace them completely. But I believe ignoring them is foolish right now. I really do. Um, you can also stay in touch with a lot of organizations that put out a lot of information with things like Twitter without really being an active player if that's what you want. My son, for instance, is not big on the Twitter thing, but all his favorite sports team have Twitters. 
And a lot of the athletes have Twitters. And he's not big at tweeting back, but he has TweetDeck on his iPhone, which is a great little app, again, called TweetDeck. One of you guys told me about that when I was trying to find a way to be more in touch with Twitter uh, in, in the past and asked what you guys would use. And uh, he has all this information coming to him about his sports teams. Now, that's not emergency planning. That's not preparedness. I understand that. But if he can do that, then you can do the other things. You can stay in touch with me that way. You can get information from me before the next day when I put it out on the show, for instance. Uh, you can also help feed information back. So that's why I like those two. I also think that one of the uh, things that we, we have got to embrace as preppers is this very simple off-the-shelf backup power. Simple generator systems, two, three, four hundred dollar setups with a couple extension cords that at least can get some things running in the house, keep you from losing your deep freezer, your refrigerator, what have you. What good is it if you have gone out and hunt and fished all year long, and uh, you know, and you're, you're now you've got the deep freezer completely full. You have an unseasonably warm time, even though it's kind of toward the end of the harvest season. But that chest freezer is stacked full. Storm blows in, takes out the electrical system, and you go 48 hours without power. What good does that all do you when it sits in there and rots? And if you think you're going to run down and get some dry ice to hold it over, you better get there before everybody else and their brother does. When a simple, small uh, generator set, you could run it for three or four hours a day to keep that freezer cold and, and get by with just that. If you're somewhere where you use a well to get your water, you probably need electricity for the well. Do you realize if you don't have a generator, when your power goes out, you don't have any water either? Um, just the big storm that came through here a few weeks ago, we weren't here for it, um, but they went 48 hours up on our, our mountain without power. The people on the other side went two weeks. So I think the generator system is something that we need to have. And people say, well, is that really a technology? You bet it's a technology. It absolutely is a technology. I also am big on the simple backup power systems, UPS for your computer. You get a really good one, you can run a computer for an hour. Now, if you don't constantly run it, you'd run a laptop for a hell of a lot longer. You can even run an internet modem, uh, as long as the lines are still connected out there, if it's just a power outage. So there's a lot that can be said for that as well. Um, I am a big fan of the Power Dome EX. It's something I think belongs in everybody's car. Uh, we have one for every vehicle, and uh, I bought one for my son. And said, so put this in your vehicle. Keep it charged. You know, every once in a while, take it out of the vehicle, take it in the house, plug it in, make sure it's topped off. And simple things, like I put a video out. You can run a fan and a laptop computer and watch a DVD. So it's really a convenience thing at that point. But there's a lot of functionality built into those devices. And being broke down on the side, broke down somewhere with a dead battery. Is that a life-threatening situation? Depends on where and when it happens, doesn't it? I mean, I know a guy, I don't know the guy personally, I know of a guy that down in Irving, right where I used to drive to work every day, uh, when I used to do the show in the car back in those days, right coming up Loop 12, about four miles, I'd say, south of where Texas Stadium used to be, guy ran out of gas. Guy runs out of gas, not a big deal. He even has like some kind of a jug or something, or he picked one off the side of the road or whatever. But he had walked to a gas station, Got a, you know, a gallon or a half gallon of fuel enough to put it in the car and drive the car to the gas station. And he was filling up his car. And um, while he was doing that, guess what happened? Two guys came out to jack him, and they ended up shooting him and killing him. And the guy laid there and died on the side of Loop 12 at morning rush hour. 
when there were people out in the light of day. So it really depends when you have a vehicle breakdown where you're at. Now, your Power Dome EX will not put fuel in your vehicle. That's why you don't run around on an eighth of a tank. You pay attention to that. And if, as soon as you go below a half, fill up, folks. But on the other side of it, if you have something simple like a dead battery uh, and you're in a, an area that's maybe not so good, you're not trying to get somebody else to help you or what have you. And you can be a good citizen and help other people. So I think off-the-shelf backup power in all varieties. Solar and hand crank radios, I think, are just absolutely uh, one of the essential things that we need to have. I am becoming a really big fan of... Um, The radios put out by Eton. Um, I did a review of the Eton Scorpion. They sent me one of those. I was very, very pleased with that radio. The one thing I wasn't really pleased with is it doesn't have any shortwave bands, which um, six and one half dozen of the other. You can get other things to handle that functionality for you. I sure wish they had that there. And the other one was that it didn't really do a good job of charging um, uh, cell phones. Uh, you had to uh, basically stand there and crank it to, to get it to charge. It doesn't make sense to me. If you have something with a battery in it, that battery should be able to send power over to the cell phones. And it didn't seem to work charging the iPhone and, and iPod-type devices either, uh, even though it said it did. Uh, well, they also just sent me a new one called the Raptor that I owe you guys a review on. I need to get that out in the coming week before I go on vacation. And uh, the Raptor actually will charge just using the battery that's there. Uh, the Raptor and the Scorpion are both awesome radios. I'd recommend the Raptor over the Scorpion based on that additional functionality. Still no shortwave, but a damn good set of radios. And I don't really care what you buy as long as it works. Uh, I just had somebody today basically tell me, I, I did a review of the Cato Voyager where I called it what it was, a complete piece of shit. And uh, they said, take your review down or do a new one because they've done all these updates. And I said, hey, man, when Cato wants to send me an updated version of that radio, uh, I'll go out there and say that it's the good radio now. After I use it, after I try it, and after I can verify that it works, as far as I'm concerned, that Cato Voyager is a complete piece of crap. And uh, I just want to say that because I want you guys to know when I recommend something to you and I say it's good, it's good because I'll say when it's bad. Um, next up, GPSs, I think, are another one that a lot of preppers kind of go, well, you know, if the satellites are knocked out, well, if there's no gas, your car won't work. That's just how I always respond. What are you using today that would be gone tomorrow if the system failed? So why are we going to create a different rule for something else? GPS has so many things it can do. One, if you are a person that thinks it's a good idea to cache things somewhere, And I'm saying I think it's a good idea to do that. That's as much as I'm going to say. But to have certain things in certain places that are packed in a certain way where they won't get wet and they won't get found and they can be there for years and you can go back and get them. Having GPS coordinates for that object is a good way to make sure you don't forget where it is and when you need to rely on it, you can actually find it. Now, is it possible that when you need it, the GPS won't function? Yes, that's why you have redundancy. Right, so we talked about redundancy this week. That's why you have other ways to find it. That's why you have maybe a map or a list or something like that. But if the GPS is functioning, it's faster, it's more efficient, so you use it. Uh, having alternate ways to get out of town, as long as your GPS is functioning and you're trying to evac and your plans that you made didn't work, 
you can take different routes and, and make on-the-fly decisions based on a GPS. I have a great GPS app. It's the best one I've found for the iPhone so far uh, that I'll mention when I get to phone apps. But I love my GPS is. I don't know if that's the right. Is it GPS I or GPS is or multiple GPS units? I don't know how you say it plurally, but I love all of my GPSs. Uh, I have handheld ones. I have car ones. I have one for my iPhone. I believe in redundancy. And I think there's a lot of fun that we can have with GPSs as well. I'm getting more into geocaching, uh, especially since we got the little geocache coins in our gear shop. And I'm starting to understand more about how geocaching actually makes you a better prepper. Not because you're going to go find stuff or you're going to go cache stuff, uh, but because when you get out geocaching your area, you start to learn the area a lot better. Uh, when you're out looking for something in the park, you'll notice, oh, that plant grows there. Um, that plant's edible or that plant's medicinal. And it's integrating things in your... See, that's the big thing I think that we need to understand as preppers. Prepping and, and survivalism isn't just stuffing a bunch of stuff away in case things go wrong. That's, that's one-dimensional. That's one component of it. Being aware of your situation, you know, situational awareness, having a good understanding of your surroundings, things like that, knowing where your local resources are. These are all parts of being a better survivalist. Now, the thing is, you can't learn all of that overnight. And the way that you'll stick it in your memory is to associate it with experiences. It's the best way to learn. So if we sit down in a college classroom or a grade school classroom and we have you memorize a whole bunch of stuff, 80% of it a year from now is gone. But if I create memories that have associations for you, when I went and found that little object under that picnic table at that park over there, I also noticed there was uh, an abundance of blackberries in that park. Or I noticed that there was an abundance of a wild comfrey that's medicinal in that, or whatever it was. Or I noticed there's a whole bunch of scoby ducks, uh, muscovy ducks, if you want to call them the right way, uh, out on that pond. There's food there. There's pecan trees, whatever it is. If there's an association with it, your memory will be greater imprinted. So I think that GPS, if it's used to the exclusion of paying attention, can be a detriment. But if it's used to further enhance your experiences and further embed and imprint on your mind what surrounds you, I think they're a great, great tool. Um, I'm also a big fan of thumb drives. I have one called the Survivor on my keychain. Uh, it looks like a little tube, the USB uh, stick screws into it. It's waterproof. Um, it's, it's actually a pretty decent little impact weapon. I have all types of information on there. Uh, survival manuals. I have my, uh, my, my get out of dodge documents. Everything like that. Uh, they're pretty easy to encrypt. Uh, and password protect as well if you want to do that. So uh, I think that having portable data uh, is a big deal. And I'm going to kind of lump that in with the next one, which is laptop computers, because they kind of serve similar functionality. Because I can have all that data on a laptop instead of a thumb drive, and then I actually have the computer with it as well. But I don't think there's such a thing as having too much data available. You do have to be careful with identity theft. Uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of LifeLock. Uh, we're LifeLock customers. I used to advertise them on the site, and when I brought the, uh, and that was like an affiliate thing where I got a little money every time somebody signed up. When I brought in the formal advertising program, I took them off. I probably should put them back on there the way I have the HostGator on there as a, as a hosting recommendation uh, down at the bottom. But, um, you know, is it 100% no, but I think it's money well spent. 
I've had people say, well, you can do the same thing, but you can't guarantee uh, the results the way they do, uh, where they'll insure you, I think it's up to like half a million dollars worth of damages. If they can't fix it, they'll cover it. Um, at 10 bucks a month, that's, uh, that's pretty good insurance to protect your identity. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's an individual choice. I wouldn't say anybody was foolish for having or not having LifeLock. I am saying you do have to pay attention to where your data goes and, and what you do with it. But there's so many things that you can do to really make things difficult for a person to use data, even if they, if they got their hands on it, beyond just password protection or encryption. You can also do things like one number off or two number off encryption of sensitive numbers. So if you had a number uh, that was, let's say, one, two, three, and you used a positive two encryption, that number would become three, four, five. And only the person that knew that would know what to do with it. And that doesn't mean that somebody from the NSA can't break it, for God's sakes. What it means is the, is the typical thief can't figure it out in order to use it right. Uh, things you can also do, bank account numbers by adding a one and adding some numbers at the end of them and knowing what you've done can be made to look like a phone number. So you might put on your document, uh, if you wanted your checking account number, uh, Bank of America checking, uh, checking department and, and format it to look like a phone number. And then you could even add to it the one number off or two number off or you can do it positive or negative as well as long as you know what you've done encryption code to that you don't have to make a record of that anywhere if you as long as you're consistent and do the same thing all the time add two take away one whatever it is you add three take away four whatever it is you want to do um, but that'll let you reconstruct those numbers uh, in a situation where you might need them just be careful what your data is the lesson there but having data that's portable and with you is an outstanding idea Uh, one of the cool ways to do this, but you might want to get some kind of a, a coin that, that's a little bit distinctive so you don't mistakenly spend it. Uh, Brian Black over at ITS uh, did a review on this a long time ago, and I've got some of the coins like this. They're made by a company called CoinSpy. CoinSpy.com, and basically it's a quarter or a 50-cent piece or what have you and a little ring. You put the, the coin in the ring, and you smack it on the table, and it comes apart, and it's been milled out, and a micro SD card can go in there. Uh, those are awesomely cool. Uh, you got to get one just to have one. Uh, but again, I would get something a little bit distinctive with that or somehow mark the coin. You can tell if you know what to look for. But if you handed the coin to an average person, they wouldn't realize that there was anything hidden in there at all. I wish they could come up with something big enough to put a standard MMC card in, but I don't think that's very practical. So if you have a micro SD card, you need some kind of adapter to be able to read it. But those are cool as hell. Uh, I'm also a big fan of digital cameras, cameras on your phones, actual cameras. I think that there's a lot that can be done with them. And I, I'll include uh, with that uh, you know, remote video camera security monitoring systems, I think, are something that a lot of people could benefit from. Uh, even if something is just as simple as a game trail camera. Uh, can be quite useful, uh, not necessarily. Some of them now will actually feed information back uh, over a network or what have you. But if you just have somebody doing something on your property that you don't like, that's not really detrimental, but you'd like to know who's doing it, like oh, right now I have an ass clown up at our place in Arkansas uh, here. I have a uh, We have our garbage cans are a couple miles down the road from the house, and they're like these big, giant, individual mini dumpsters is what they're kind of like. And I have some ass clown that uh, apparently doesn't want to pay for his own, uh, which is like dirt cheap. It's it's like $30 a quarter or something like that. Doesn't want to pay for his own, so he's throwing his garbage in mine. 
Now, why is that a big problem? Is Why is that a big deal? Because it throws a bunch in there, it fills the damn thing up, and they only empty it once a week. And I end up with garbage I can't get rid of. So guess what? I'm going to find out who this ass clown is. Uh, and I'm going to do that with a very low-end technology, which is simply a game trail camera, and uh, set out there, a motion detector on it. And uh, when I find out who it is, I'm going to take his garbage to his house. And, uh, you know, without technology, you can't do that. Now, I don't have any computer networks out there. It's too far away to run wireless back to a computer or something like that. Something simple like a game trail camera could do that. If you had something similar going on in your property, you could use a more network situation. So I think cameras as a whole, even plain simple point-and-shoot digital cameras, there's a lot to be said for when you get your GPS coordinates for the area uh, that you've, you've cached something for survival purposes. You also take a picture of it. You put that on your thumb drive. You have GPS coordinates with an associated photograph. When you're going to find that again in the future, and it's been five years, you'll be able to be much better prepared to find that location. So I think cameras as a whole, uh, from video to still to things like game trail and security cameras, these are all things that we can look at integrating into our lives. There's some great websites out there. Uh, the CDC's website, ready.gov, uh, FEMA's websites, they all can be used to help us plan, but that's pretty much what they are. They're planning websites. They're very basic in nature, but they're great places to kind of get a start. I also like all of the stuff that's online from the, uh, the Latter-day Saints church, also called the Mormons, but some will tell you we're not Mormons, we're LDS. Uh, I'm not real familiar with the faith. I'm not a practicing person of their faith. Uh, I don't really have an opinion, good, bad, negative, indifferent, of anybody's faith. What your faith is your business. But when it comes to prepping, those guys really know what they're doing. And there's a tremendous wealth of resources that they make available, not just to the people that are part of their faith, that are available to anybody. Uh, so I think those are some other great places to get started with planning and lists of materials and foods and things that need to be stored. Um, I'm also a real big fan of YouTube. And I, I really think that there is so much information on YouTube. Uh, I try to put out quite a bit on there. I'm going to be doing more in the future now that we're kind of set up to do things in a, in a more, uh, you know, a more daily, more sustainable manner than we were before. Uh, but if you look at some of the guys that are out, like Dave Canterbury, who's now, you know, he's on Discovery Channel doing dual survival. Um, the guy's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wilderness survival videos out there sharing things that worked and sharing things that didn't work. Uh, honest, you know, honest programming is what you get on YouTube. When it first came out, all it was is guys blowing out their, uh, their ball sack, uh, by jumping a skateboard the wrong way or something and a bunch of other stupid stuff. But there's got to be some great content producers out there, not just in survival and prepping and gardening and all, and alternative energy and all types of things we talk about, but in just about everything you can think of, there's great YouTube videos on that, great informational how-to. And unlike TV where they refine it, it and, and, and edit out. They shoot 80 hours of video and then they put out a two-hour special and they take away all the misery and all the things that didn't work. YouTube's actually pretty much reality TV because the real housewives ain't reality TV. The pinheads, the Kardashians ain't reality TV. Those things are the furthest thing from reality you could possibly find. But most YouTube content producers are willing to let you see where they fall down, where things fail. They're willing to be honest with you. They're willing to tell you, hey, this radio is a piece of shit. Don't buy this. So YouTube's got all this great content on it. Here's the problem. 
When you're using YouTube, if you don't have an internet connection or, you know, a wireless connection or, you know, cell phone connection, something like that, you can't get that content. Well, there's a lot of apps out there and a lot of software out there that, that, that do, will strip YouTube videos off and convert them to things like an MP4 or what have you. The one I use actually costs a little bit of money. It's called Download Helper. And the reason I use it is that it always works for me. Uh, it never fails. When I say download and convert, and uh, I go to where I put the file, and I open it up, there it is, and it works. I even use that when I'm doing things like I find a video I want to share with you on the show, and I want the audio out of it like it's a news report or something like that. That's how I do it. And instead of converting it to an MP4, I convert it to an MP3 uh, so that I can just drop it in as an audio file. If I want the video, I bring it in as a video, and then I drop that into my, my editing software, and when I render it out, I just render out the audio. So... What's cool about that is that thumb drive, you can get hours and hours of, uh, of programming on that thumb drive you carry around. And you always have it available. And as long as you have something as simple as a laptop, you can, you, you can see that, that information, even if you don't have a connection. So that can be a store of knowledge if we ever get to a point where, yes, the technology has failed. But as long as you have some type of redundant power source and an operational laptop, you have a source of education and entertainment, which is hugely, hugely important. More on the laptop computers while I'm saying that. The other nice thing about laptops and why I think that, you know, you can get a good laptop now for 300 bucks. I just helped my son pick one out. We got it at the CompUSA store. It was a refurb. It was a really powerful little machine for uh, what what he was doing. In fact, I got the, almost the exact same one six months earlier with a few differences for my wife. And I think I paid $329 for hers. He paid $316 for his. Um, you know, they're, they're really affordable. Now, if you're having, if you're still paying off the credit cards and all and you're getting by, don't go out and buy one. But, If you can afford it, I think they belong in the prepper household with some, uh, you know, power backup systems and things like some basic solar. They have very low draw. They don't take much energy to run. So even in a long blackout scenario where energy becomes a premium, things like having DVDs for the kids to watch and stuff, it's much lower draw than a DVD player and a TV. So we can get more out of the, the energy that we have available. So that's why I think they kind of go in there. Now I want to go into some of the, the, uh, the apps that I, I personally use. And there's some new ones here for you. Um, one, I talked a lot about GPSs. And um, I've used a lot of different, different GPS uh, apps on the phone. And I've had some good results and some not good, so good results. I've used free ones. I've used expensive ones. Uh, one that I downloaded was almost like 30 bucks. It was supposed to be the bomb. I didn't like it at all. I didn't find its functionality to be really good. Um, but I just found a new one called GPS Drive by Motion X. And it was $1.99 or $2.99 or something like that. It was dirt cheap. And it is like having a typical high-end GPS that you would pay several hundred dollars for and then install in your car right with you. You know, it says, get ready to make a left turn in 200 feet. And then it says, now turn left onto Highway 7. And it gives you step-by-step, step-by-step, turn-by-turn directions from one destination to another. And so far in testing it out, it's worked flawlessly. And when I find something that works, I tend to stick with what works. So uh, I'm a huge fan of this new app that I found. And, you know, I just, again, I know that some people are kind of iffy on these types of technologies and stuff, but if you have a smartphone, um, I think this, this is another one of those apps that's available in the Windows 
phone, you know, on the Android phone and things like that, uh, and the iPhone as well. I think that stuff like this can really improve our life and our efficiency. And anything that does that gives us, I think that it's not just about, do these technologies um, help us prepare for a disaster or deal with disaster? It's also if we can live our life in a more efficient, more effective manner, we have more time and resources to devote to those things. And I think that GPS kind of falls into that category. It's it's an efficiency level device. It's I don't spend 10 minutes with you on the phone if I'm coming to your house trying to get directions from you and you start telling me things like when you get to the big tree make a right and you live in a freaking forest and the way some of you ladies give directions um, I just I, I won't go there but I'm just saying you know they say men won't ask for directions well sometimes ladies I think it's because we're afraid we're going to get a woman giving them to us. Um, I'm sorry, but you, you guys draw maps upside down. You give me reference points that have to do with a bridge, and there's no bridge. It's an overpass. I, I don't understand that. GPS, just all that just goes away. The next app that I, I, I'm using a lot lately is the Weather Channel app, uh, especially with being up at our house up in the hills. Uh, we don't get real good cell phone reception up there, but the apps seem to function pretty decently. So I can keep in touch with what's going on with the weather, with all this crazy weather we're having with the Weather Channel app, where my laptop computer with my AT&T stick and the Weather Channel and all that uh, highly uh, in, in intensive graphics don't come through very well. Sometimes I can't even get a connection with it. Sometimes it drops to uh, like an edge connection and it doesn't work, but the phone app seems to work. So the Weather Channel app, and it also lets me with save, instead of just pulling up the Weather Channel site on my phone, which works very well for mobile phones, by the way, The nice thing is I can save a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like what they call favorite cities. So if it's vacation planning, like, hey, we're going to be going to Sanibel next week, and it's not next week, but the week after we are, I can pull up and look at those 10-day forecasts. Well, that's just convenience. But it's also if, you know, now we're here, and I want to know what's going on in Dallas because we still have family back there, and I might want to make a phone call and warn somebody, uh, that information is at my fingertips. If I'm going to a place in the middle of a storm, it can help me figure out where not to go. Well, maybe that was my first plan, but maybe it's actually going to be worse there. So I like that app, and I'm sure there's other weather apps you guys can, can check out and tell me about. And on this show, folks, any app you're using that you love, go to the show notes today, episode 672. In the show notes, post in, in the comment section the apps that you're using. I want to hear what you're using as well. Here's another one. I just found this one. I love this app. And it's not like a survival app, but it is a, a money-saving app, which, again, that's what we did all the shows on saving money recently. We'll have one more uh, very soon, and then we'll just start doing the individual tips uh, associated with each show because I have so many of them. Saving money is so important because every dollar we save, we can use to build a better life. We can use to build more redundancy. We can use to put one more thing into our storage. We can use to get one more emergency survival uh, piece of gear. We can use that. We can put it away and just have a savings account. We can use it to buy precious, whatever it is. Money is power in our world today. Whether we like that or not, it is the case. So I found this new app. It's called Shop Savvy, and it's by... Uh, Japan on big in Japan, I think is the the people that put it out. Uh, again, it's called Shop Savvy. It's S H O P S A V Y. Again, it'll be listed in the show notes. You can look it up in your you know associated app store, depending on whether you're on Android or iPhone or what have you. But here's how it works. It's got a barcode scanner in it, and you find an item at a store, especially a big ticket item that you're thinking about buying, and you pull this app up and you put the scanner on, and you use your phone's camera lens to scan the UPC code. 
It scans that. And it tells you all the stores, and it doesn't find everything, but it's found most things. I was, my wife was doing some stuff in, in uh, Office Max or uh, Staples or something like that. It was actually Office Depot, and the people that were helping her were not real competent, so they were taking forever. So I just started walking around scanning things, and it, it located almost everything I scanned. It knew that Office Depot, where I was, had them. The prices were, I'd say, 95% accurate. Occasionally, it was a dollar or two more or less, but it was very, very close. Uh, when the item was right in front of me. And it will also tell you all the other stores around you based on your location with your GPS that have that item, how much they sell them for, have the store's price matching policy right in front of you, and a little button that says call store. So if I see the down the road, Best Buy has it for less, I can hit call now. Best Buy is immediately on the phone. I can say I'm looking for this item. Here's the part number. Do you guys have it in stock? Is this actually your price? And I can also go back and go to Office Depot's price matching uh, uh, policy, call the manager over and say, I just talked to Best Buy. They've confirmed that they have this available right now. I'd prefer to buy it here rather than drive over there. Will you match the price? And your price match policy right here says that you will. Additionally, it pulls up the web. Now, price matching policies with the web, generally they exclude the web because the web has other things involved. But you can see every place it's available online. I found differences of $30, $40 bucks on a $100 product. By looking at it and standing in front of me, looking at the product for $70 and seeing it for $49 on the web in two seconds. Again, the app's called Shop Savvy uh, by Big in Japan. I think it's an awesome, awesome app. Uh, another one I like is the Onata Currency Converter, something I found for my son when he was going to Europe. I think that it's very easy that if we ever end up in a, in a foreign country, even if it's just Mexico or Canada, especially if it's part of some reason we had to leave and we're in an emergency situation and we're kind of panicked and we're using uh, current, you know, a current, uh, our local currency while we're there and we're having to spend U.S. dollars, if that's possible anyway, um, to know what the actual currency exchange is. And not only does this app show you the currency exchange, it shows you not just the bank rates, but the cash current cash rates currency exchanges. So if you were in Mexico shopping and the guy said, you know, this is X pesos, which is Y dollars, you can put that in there and see, even with a cash conversion, is that right? Am I being ripped off or not? So it's a simple little app, but again, it's called the Onada Currency Converter. Uh, Onada, I think it's, it's O-A-N-D-A, O-A-N-D-A, Currency Converter. I like that. I have the WikiHow Emergency Survival Kit uh, app. All kinds of little things that you'd want to know from first aid to uh, different survival scenarios, little how-to articles. Not the end-all, be-all, but quick, convenient, free. What more can you ask for? I've got a medicinal herb ID app that has most medicinal herbs with photos so that if I think I'm looking at something and I'm pretty sure and I've worked with it before and I'm, you know, I can pull that photo up right next to it. I can look at identifying characteristics. I can look at what it does. I can find precautions. I love that app. I have another app called the 550 Radio Pro. That's like number 5-0 Radio Pro, which basically is a police scanner app. So I can pull up emergency medical service. I can pull up local PD, sheriff's departments, things like that all over the world. Right, I can listen to London PD if I want to. Uh, I can listen to LA PD, but I can also listen to the Garland County Sheriff's Department, which I live in Garland County, Arkansas. So if there's storms going on and I want to know what's really going out there, what the Sheriff's Department is doing, or if there's any kind of threat going on and I want to monitor local emergency medical and law enforcement, I can do that from my phone. So 
I, if you don't see the advantage to that, I mean, I, I got to tell you that that is such a wealth of information and things that you generally won't get from your local media. And also for us that are in more rural environments, I live in Hot Springs now. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but ABC, NBC, CBS, etc. do not have a Hot Springs affiliated station. All of our news comes from Little Rock. So it's really a lot different for me now, and I'm just kind of adjusting to this going back in. It's how I always grew up. You know, all our local station was out of Philadelphia when we were in Pottsville. Um, but kind of, kind of readjusting to that now. Where I lived in Arlington, right between Dallas and Fort Worth, the, the, the local news applied to me. You move outside of that, you get out of that fishbowl. The local news really isn't your local news anymore. And in a critical situation, you're going to get a straighter story by monitoring what's going on with EMS and law enforcement than the TV is ever going to give you. Next one, you guys are going to think, the judge actually flipped this lid. This is not a survival app, but to me it is. The Kindle app. Even if you don't own a Kindle or a Nook or any kind of a reader, a book reader, if you get their associated app, and Kindle's the one for the app that I like best. And, and the reason I say that is I can put the Kindle app on my computer, I can put it on my laptop computer, I can put it on my phone. And if I buy a book from Amazon on Kindle, I can pull my, my actual Kindle up and I can sit down on the beach and read it. If I happen to get stuck somewhere and I have nothing else to do other than read a book, I can pull up the book on my, on my iPhone. But since I have the app on all the places, I can't remember what they call it now, but basically the, the, the thing will remember with a sync, if I sync it, where's the last page I was on, and it'll immediately go there. It's called whis Whisper Sync is what it's called. So I can be you know, reading it on my computer when I finish the show up today before I go back up on the hill, and uh, then I decide I want to read it on my phone, and I pull it up, and with Whisper Sync, it'll automatically go back to that last page. So that's why I like that app. The reason I consider it a survival app is, again, if we're in a situation with low energy availability, I don't have a lot of energy available, uh, and maybe I even have to be mobile so I can't take a lot of things with me. So I have all these great books I can take, but I can only grab one or two or three. Books are heavy. Uh, we got rid of a lot of hard copy books, sold some, donated some when we left. You fill up one box full of books and pick it up, and you'll see what I mean about how heavy they are. I can carry a whole library on a Kindle or an iPhone, especially the iPhone with the Kindle app. And if I end up stuck somewhere during an emergency situation, I have education and entertainment available. Again, just like grabbing the YouTube videos with the uh, the video uh, download helper uh, off of YouTube. But it's also just, again, it's all about convenience and it's all about efficiency. If you get stuck somewhere... I'm hoping you're pulling out your iPhone or your iPod and listening to me. And if you've listened to me up to date and you want to read a book, you're flipping over to a book. If we can integrate these things into our lives so that when we end up with an appointment at the doctor's office and they say, we'll see you at 2 o'clock, Mr. Smith, and you walk in at 1.55 and at 2.45, you're still sitting there in the waiting room to go see your doctor. Hopefully, hopefully that 50 minutes of time was used efficiently. And things like the Kindle app let you, you know, people ask you, how do you read so much? Well, if I'm somewhere and I can't do anything else, out comes the iPhone, up comes the latest book or whatever it is I'm reading, and I'm reading, I'm putting that information into myself so I can integrate it into my life. And if I'm just bored, then I'm pulling up a novel or some fiction or things like that. And I've actually kind of taken to when I read in the evening anymore, I don't do it as much as I should with this move. I kind of lost the habit before a while. I would read a fiction book. And not one about prepping, you know, not any prepper porn or anything like that, guys. Not, not, not David Crawford's Lights Out or, or Patriots or anything like that. Like just a complete 
total fiction book, just a story. And the reason I was doing that was to decouple my mind from being engaged in all this business stuff and all this survival stuff and, and sleep better. And it's actually worked. I picked that up from Tim Ferriss, by the way, in the four hour work week. He said, don't read business or, you know, anything alarming in the evening before you go to bed. Read some fiction and decouple your mind before you go to bed. But the Kindle app is just awesome. Uh, again, you don't have to own a Kindle to use the Kindle app. You can set the Kindle app up on your iPhone or your iPad or just your computer. You can buy the Kindle books in the Kindle eStore, and you have your books available to you even without a Kindle. And if you ever get a Kindle, then it goes together. Uh, last little app is an app that uh, I think my wife even loves. She, I think she wants an iPhone so she can have it too. It's called Around Me. And it's just another one of those convenience things, but it can be very helpful in a, a situation where you're not sure where you're at and you're trying to find things. The way this works, and it's like restaurants, pubs, and, and some medical facilities and all types of stuff like that. Um, you, you open up around me, and it just uses your GPS location in a database, and it tells you everything that's around you and how far away it is. And if you turn the phone kind of horizontal and hold it up, It actually goes into like your camera and you can see in front of you, like just like you're running your video camera. And as you turn, you'll see little tags and it'll say, so when you turn to the right, all of a sudden there's whatever you're looking for and how many miles away it is. And you know exactly what direction from you it is. Uh, that's just absolutely an awesome little app. And again, that app is free. Uh, so those are the apps that I'm using. So hopefully today I've given you at least one or two things that you hadn't been doing that you can start doing. And hopefully that will improve your overall planning and preparedness. My big message today, do not turn your back on technology. It just doesn't make any sense. And a lot of us that are, you know, my age and older, we're, we have a tendency to do what I talked about in the beginning. There's certain technologies we're comfortable with and those are okay, but all these new ones, nah, that's just for the kids. Um, please don't do that. I was even, like, I was telling companies back in the, you know, back in 2006, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you guys got to be there. And yet myself, with Facebook and Twitter, I'm like, I really don't like it. right? I know I got to do it, but I really don't like it. When I finally said, you know what, it's what people are doing, and I need to communicate with people, and I tried it, I actually found it was quite useful. Now, I may not use it to the level that some other people use it, but I've become familiar with that technology. I think whatever technology is out there that you have access to, take the time to learn to use it. Do not become dependent on it. And I think that's the important thing. The people that say we're too dependent on technology are correct. That doesn't mean we don't use technology. If I need to do math, right, I'm going to pull up the little calculator on my computer if I need to do it right in front of me. If I'm on my iPhone, I'm going to pull my iPhone up and pull the calculator app out. If it's, you know, something complex. If I don't have that available, yes, I can get pen and paper or pencil and paper and I can sit down and I can figure it out. And I think we should have both those skill sets. So yes, you need to know how to do things like star-based navigation. You need to know how to use a map and a compass and shoot an azimuth and a back azimuth and, and orienteer with a compass. You need to know how to use simple things like maybe an ottoman sun compass. But that doesn't mean we throw away the GPS, if that makes sense. Yes, it's really great that you know how to use a hand drill or a bow drill to start a fire. But a 75-cent Bic lighter and a Ziploc bag put in your kit will give you guaranteed flame. 
And that is a huge advantage. It doesn't mean that we throw one away for the other. A little bit of you know fire starter gel or something in a little capsule, and I can make fire anywhere with those two things put together. And I'm probably going to add more redundancy than that. I'm probably going to have some, a few waterproof matches uh, put off in there. I might even have a really good sparking tool. I might have a, a mirror. It, it all depends on the situation. But I'm not going to throw away the technology because someday it may not be there. Again, if you're going to feel that way, well, you might as well start walking to work. And what do you do at work? Do you use a computer? Well, you better get a new job. I mean, if, if you just take anybody that says that and walk them through their logical conclusions, unless they're living like this new guy that somebody just sent me about that's uh, on the run from the law, but the law doesn't care, and he's living somewhere in the Trinity River bottoms of Texas. they got like 50 acres, and they have nothing. Uh, and they just live off the land. Unless you're living that way now, you might as well accept the fact that you're using technology every day. And please remember what I said at the beginning as well. In their day, okay, in their day, the bow drill, the hand drill, the bow and arrow, the spear, the atlatl, all of these things, the sharp rock in its day was cutting-edge technology. The people that have embraced and advanced technology have been the winners in the world. And the people that have scorned it have always been the losers. We don't do this show to turn people into losers. We turn it, we do it to turn people into winners. And the way we win is we win by living that better life if times get tough, even if they don't. And with that, this has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. In our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget are what we eat I don't know the answer It's like there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay I guess when we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way